Welcome to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Kate Heinecker, here to serve as your astrological tour guide. This podcast is here to use the ancient art of astrology to help us make sense of our lives and the world we live in. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. I am so excited for this month of September and the September forecast because we have not just one but two of OPA or the Organization for Professional Astrology is I have both of their top emerging professional astrologers, um, Mal Hasty, of course, friend of the pod, but we have a very new special guest and again, OPA's emerging astrological talents, Taylor Schuller here on the podcast. I am so excited to have both of you and Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Did I say that right? Um, Opa's up and coming star, or did I introduce you with the right title? Is that correct? It's, it's all good. It was a, it was a grant for, uh, something called the most promising astrologer of 2022. And, and Mal and I were both two of the, two of the, there were, there were four for that. And there were some other categories, but yeah, it's all, that's good. It's great. I Wonderful. love that. So yeah. for anybody out there who's listening, OPA or the organization for professional astrology, um, I'm a member. It's a wonderful organization and host to the bestest and most ethical astrologers in the biz. And I've got their two most promising astrologers um, right here on the podcast. So I'm very excited. Taylor, I would love for you to please just like introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them a little bit about yourself, the type of astrology that you practice, maybe throw in your sun, moon rising. Um, Tell us about yourself, girl. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Kate. I'm so glad to be here with both of you. I'm so excited. So hello, everyone. I'm Taylor Schuler. I'm an astrologer and regenerative designer. I, um, I, I like to say I practice a liberal arts approach to astrology. So I have some Hellenistic, I do a little, uh, you know, evolutionary, I kind of um, throw in, you know, just whatever I'm learning and is interesting, but I come from a background, um, as a permaculture designer. So I take that lens of sustainability, regeneration, and really uh, taking an approach of praxis to astrology. So how can we take practical action uh, with these energies? If we know things are, you know, we're gonna have these energies, how can we use them for our greatest and highest good in order to thrive and make the world a better place? Uh, My sun is in Capricorn, my moon is in Scorpio, and I'm a Pisces rising. I love that. What a what a watery and earthy little mix we have there. It's funny. Yeah. I actually have a fire signature, which is funny because I have um I have a fixed fire signature. I have this Leo signature, which is wild. That you would think it's just like all water and earth, but I have a lot of fire. All right. And Jeez. Jupiter and Aries too, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Lovely, lovely. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I actually met Taylor at Norwalk this year and we had a lot of fun. Um, so I'm so excited to Norwalk is a huge astrology conference that is thrown almost every year in Seattle. And I met Taylor there. It was amazing. It was just another wonderful example about how astrology conferences really bring us together. And Taylor is actually coming to us live from another astrology conference. Taylor, do you want to share a little bit about where you are located yes. right now? And what's right going now. On? So this is a hotel room I'm in uh, at the Westin Westminster Hotel for the International Society for Astrological Researches conference that they've been trying to have for a couple of years. They tried to have it in 2020, 2021. And so we're finally all here. There's like a couple hundred astrologers from all over the world. Super exciting. Today's the pre-conference day. So I've just seen a few people here and there, uh, but it's a weekend of learning and meeting and talking and it's going to be fabulous. I'm so excited to be here. That's wonderful. I'd love a good astrology conference. There's nothing better than nerding out with fellow astrology nerds. We speak the same language and when we get together, it's just magic. It really is. Is there anyone that you're ex- really excited to see or anything that you're any pre or post conference? workshops you're looking forward to any lectures you're most excited to see at ESAR oh my gosh there's so many things honestly I couldn't I can't pick just one I think Mm. I'm just excited to be in the energy of other astrologers I think that proximity is so important in anything in life and so when you can be around other people who are like you know the kind of people you want to be like it's like a rising tide floats all boats and it takes away this sort of energy of like how can I do that thing that I want to do? Mm. And so just like proximity to me and just basking in the magic is what I'm most excited about and making new connections, meeting new people, having these nerdy geek out conversations. Uh, just got me jazzed. So I love it. I love it. We'll have so much fun there. I can't wait to hear all about it. Um, <laughs> And I'm so excited to have you here. So for any listeners who are new to the podcast, here's just a general outline, a general overview. Um, We really like to first start start off this podcast um, by reflecting a little bit on the previous month, um, doing a quick review because kind of looking back and reflecting on the month prior is almost just as important as forecasting so we can understand how the astrology manifests and understand kind of what that astrology was meant to infuse into our experience. Um, Then we're going to do a quick overview for the next month, for the month of September. And then Taylor, Mal, and I are going to dive in week by week for the month of September and really unpack everything that you need to know about the astrological forecast for the month ahead or for the month ahead these forecast episodes are really meant to be a guide or a compass for you and for the listeners to be able to be energetically prepared and aware of what we are about to go through and also to be reflective on what we have been through. Um, it's really important. And I love recording these so much. They give me grounding. This is like part of my monthly energetic ritual just by participating in the recording of these podcasts. So I really hope that you enjoy them. Um, some tips for listening for people out there. I make these really awesome, cool little 
astrology calendars that are available for download um, in the links in the show notes. Also links for tailored mail are going to be in the show notes as well. So if you'd like to follow along and like jot down notes on the astrological calendar, please feel free to do so. That's one of my tools that I use, um, as an astrologer all month long to just track the transits and see what's going on and how this energy manifests for us. Um, also if we get a little technical in these recordings, which is bound to happen because we're three professional astrologers, um, focus in on the message. Um, instead of the little technicalities that we say, technicalities help for you to know that we're not just saying what we're saying out of nowhere and pulling this out of our butts. Everything is grounded in astrology, but if that astrology language is too much, focus on the message and jot down what resonates most with you. So Oh, another point. Um, I also am putting timestamps in the show notes now because these uh, episodes can get pretty long when we get into it and we really get into our astrologer grooves. And so just for your sake, I will put timestamps for the introduction and then for week one, week two, week three, week four. So you can continue to come back to these astrological forecasts and listen to them all month long and really refer to them all month long. I've been doing that. Oh my gosh. And it's been so helpful, especially for re-listening to the August forecasts. It's been really great. So without further ado, Let's jump into reflections on August astrology. So August was a pretty interesting month. And I feel like when we were forecasting for August, um, we, all of the, all of the focus, um, was on this huge, astrological event on the very first of August. And that was the North node Uranus and, and Mars coming together at 18 degrees Taurus. And this was a big monumental moment in the scope of 2022. Right. And I mean, Lord, we talked about this with Jordan and Kelsey at length, the, the last, the last episode. So I don't mean to like beat a dead horse too much, but I really just wanted to open the door for reflections on how this might've resonated with you guys personally or energetically, or even on a mundane level, if there's anything that you guys might've noticed about the energy of this Uranus in Taurus event. And how, how do how are you guys feeling into this? And do just to kick us off, do either of you have any thoughts or reflections about this astrology? Cause I know I felt like the internet was blowing up about it and astrology, social media was really hyping it up to a very intense degree. What do y'all think? Any thoughts on this from Taylor or Mal? Yeah, I think that what it taught me watching the Mars Uranus conjunction, also uh, the Mars Saturn square, all kind of happening in the same week. Something that I was seeing 
at least in client sessions, was a lot of people just feeling like they were at a dead end with a lot of different things and knowing that there wasn't really a way forward in continuing with this or that direction. So I saw a lot of clients leaving relationships that maybe have been kind of on the rocks for a while. I saw a lot of clients leaving jobs, getting new jobs. There was just a lot of um, sort of lily pad jumping, if that makes sense. Like there was just a lot of big life changes that have been simmering for a while that kind of cracked open. So I think that was a positive of the of the Mars-Uranus conjunction, square to Saturn. It's when the pressure cooker just you know, it gets too hot and it boils over and we need to change directions or at least commit to a new direction. That was my um, my take on it. I'm interested to hear what you felt, Taylor. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I started looking into, I mean, like we all did, the that Mars-Uranus node contact when they were going to be exact at the beginning of the month. And I started looking into like, when recently have we seen that? When have we seen Mars and Uranus in hard aspect to the nodes and went back to um, 1911. And I started to see all these things that emerged and it's fascinating the the themes that we see that were repeated. I mean, first of all, Mars is heat, like you said, Mal. So it's like that bubbling over you were talking about in 1911, Mars and Uranus were conjunct in Aquarius and the nodes were in Scorpio and Taurus. So the nodes were square, this Mars-Uranus conjunction in Aquarius at the time. And it, I think it went from like Capricorn into Aquarius. And what happened, we saw a lot of fires. We saw the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. We saw Lincoln's funeral car catch fire. Uh, Lincoln, you know, President Lincoln, they had his funeral car way past the time of his death. And it was something that people could visit. It caught fire. Um, so we see this heat, we see this evaporating of the water. Um, that's something that happened. And there, there was, there was just a lot of that. There was also like this poem that came out about Prometheus and his fire. And so I think a lot of that heat was certainly coming up uh, back then. And we're seeing that now. Another thing that was really curious to me that we ended up seeing was this thing about polio coming out. And back then in 1911, that's when polio uh, let's see, it was announced that polio was discovered on March 12th, 1911. And now we're seeing it again. Weird. Oh, I love a throwback reference. Yeah. And the, the other thing that came up was like, there was this thing about um, the Department of Justice was, was really active filing. Um, well, I guess this isn't really uh, they were just filing this like electrical antitrust law thing was coming up, but um, just seeing like very Aquarian, very Aquarian, very but, Aquarian, you know, like looking for government not doing the things that they should be doing. And, and I think the electrical thing was very Uranus, I mean, and Aquarius, but um, yeah, we saw the, the DOJ and some of our big federal uh, agencies be really active in pursuing certain things this past month, right? So totally, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that about I love that about the um 
the node square in nine at in 1911 also because that was such a year of rapid technological advancement as well um yeah i think i also think about the the um uranus pluto cycle also was pretty strong around the turn of the century so that might have also expedited a lot of you know technological advancement and that's fascinating that's really cool thanks for sharing that taylor yeah that um what I thought about, what I thought was very interesting about the astrology of August 1st um, was that one, I felt like there was too much fear mongering on the internet about it. And I think that we as an as astrologers, and I suppose as an astrological community could probably do a better job at not being so like gloom and doom or so... Um, and I, I will admit this, that I could do a better job as, as well, but not kind of spinning everything just because something's a big deal doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad thing, if that makes sense. And I feel like w- I even with a couple, actually with some folks that I tutor astrologically, I do astrological tutoring and mentorship. I had one of my um, tutorees say really ask for a lot of clarification they were like are how what's going on with this august first energy like there's just a lot of again that doom and gloom that apocalyptic type of way of framing astrological events and again just because something is astrologically really fascinating and really one off i don't think it has to be presented like that and i think living through that the astrology of august 1st it was actually buttressed by really lovely astrology so right before that day there was a jupiter trine to the sun jupiter and aries trine the sun in leo and literally the day after that August 1st conjunction, Venus was sextile. Venus was in a sextile to everything. And Jupiter does amazing in a trine and Venus does amazing in a sextile. So literally these two benefics were also mixing up in the sky, this really lovely energy of almost a soft landing is actually how they put it. So I felt like the energy of August 1st, although relative, although revelatory and I absolutely love what you said, Mel, about committing to a new direction and kind of committing to change, because that's really what I felt as well on a personal and a collective level that was really thematic throughout the entire month of August. And this entire month of August, I was really looking for the themes that I called out for the 2022 year ahead, which of course is radicalization, um, which of course with the North node conjunct Uranus, the North node amplifies and turns up the energy of whatever it encounters. And that certainly with combined with Uranus, which is the archetype of a revolutionary spirit. Um, we certainly saw an amplification of seemingly radical or radical political action, particularly in Kansas, when 
people overwhelmingly voted to keep abortion safe and legal, which I thought was very interesting and a perfect and beautiful manifestation of the astrology of early August, especially. Um, number one, I think that this type of radical activism is also very practical in the way that Taurus energy is really practical as well. And number two, I also think that this is a very important key or a very important clue into what the election will look like in November, because I don't mean to cross the bridge before we get there, but the eclipse on there is an eclipse happening on election day this year that I think is very important to acknowledge. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in November. But the reason I say that is because one, I'm a political science nerd. It's what I studied in college and I love current events and I love mundane astrology. So tying these two together is like, I love doing that. But also because this, the way the people have radicalized to voice their own opinions and their own desires for how they want their legislation to look, I think is really going to come forward again in a very, very, very major way on November 8th, um, when there is also a an eclipse in Taurus, almost exactly conjunct Uranus um, at 16 degrees. So like th this is almost a, this is a very important clue of how and what will be expressed come November 8th when there is an eclipse exactly conjunct Uranus on that same day. It, I think that we can definitely use this as an example to, of what to expect um, come November 8th. You know what's fascinating about that, Kate, with Kansas mm -hmm. in particular? Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a talk next uh, on, on September 9th for the Tucson Astrologers Guild about this Jupiter and Pisces, Aries, and even a retrospective back to Jupiter and Aquarius, because I find that when Jupiter's in this little place, um, uh, when Neptune is, is there, it blurs the lines of time. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's Aquarius or Pisces or Aries. It's mm. just like it melds in this way. And we've got Jupiter sort of retrograding from Aries back into Pisces. So it's moving back towards that energy. And I bring this up because we had this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces. And what happened the last time we had this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces was bleeding Kansas from 1854 to 1861, Ooh. where Kansas was becoming, they had this uh, Kansas-Nebraska Act where Kansas then uh, was really, they were trying to decide if it was going to be a free state or a slave state. And so we now again see Kansas at the forefront of politics and where we're moving you know, forward. And of course, 1854 to 1861 is the precursor to the Civil War. And obviously the question was a really big one. Should we be a free state or should we be a slave state? Kansas was, was you know, right there in the news. People would go over the border to like vote and um and now we see Kansas like taking action on this abortion thing as well. And you're saying, you know, it's going to impact the election. So I think it's fascinating how the astrology just repeats. Just got to look for the patterns. Oh, that is so wild. And the astrology of 1850 was absolutely ridiculous as well. Like 
Nuts. Oh my gosh. I wish I could see that talk of yours. That sounds fascinating. I love that Taylor. That is so cool. Um, the other, another kind of mundane reflection and Taylor definitely touched on this a little bit was the raid, a very interesting event where Trump's home, Donald, former president, Donald Trump's home was raided by the FBI and secret documents or secret um, classified confidential documents that he had stored at his private residence in Mar-a-Lago were taken back by or and returned to the National Archives and where they were meant to be in the beginning of August as well, which is something that I thought was incredibly appropriate uh, for the astrology of that time for several reasons. One, because the Uranian energy leads to unexpected or unforeseen or sometimes shocking events that happen and pop up in the news. And I thought that was very appropriate because that was a very um, destabilizing and very newsworthy event that popped up this unexpected raid. And the day after this raid, actually the day before Mars was squared Saturn, which kind of ushered in a bit of tension in the air. And then the day after that raid, uh, there was a Venus opposite Pluto that day. And Anytime there's major Pluto contact on a mundane level or on a collective level, especially we get leaks, we get disclosures, we get something that wasn't supposed to be seen or secrets being revealed. So I thought that was a very kismet and very appropriate event with the astrology of that time um, that I thought worth mentioning. Um, Any thoughts on that, you guys? Just like the DOJ, like you said, Taylor, that was just very kismet. Well, I will. Oh, sorry. I will say too that, um, in addition to that, just going back to the United States having their Pluto return. Um, if you didn't know, the United States has a Pluto at 27 degrees Capricorn, so that is where transiting Pluto is sitting right now, thus creates the phenomenon of a Pluto return for our country. And Pluto does rule over the excavation of secret documents. Mm -hmm. And that Venus-Pluto opposition was really highlighting the United States chart as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Yes, very much so. Now, another thing. Oh, another very important mundane event that happened. Um, of course I'm a, I'm a news junkie. So I have to call out the fact that in August Congress passed the inflation reduction act. And I thought it was very funny because the inflation reduction act is almost a recycled piece of legislation from 2021. Right. And the inflation reduction act essentially started out in 2021 as this big, this this legislation package called build back better. And it essentially was not viable because one of the, there are two very moderate and Democrats in the Senate 
that were required to vote on this piece of legislation in order to put into action. It started out as this huge public spending bill, like this massive progressive legislation that was akin to like a new deal legislation of, you know, FDR and the, in the, in the recovery from the great depression. And it was very interesting because it was being passed around this time where actually it was being passed where there was tons of Libra fuckery going on. And I was like, no, one's going to walk out of this deal. Happy. There's no deal making with this. And that's exactly what happened. And it also really highlighted the progressive push to change that Uranus wants and how Saturn and Aquarius and Uranus in a square kind of stalled the change. I think 2021 was highlighted a lot of challenges that come with change and a lot of stalled momentum and a lot of stalled energy when it comes to change. That's still there in 2022, but in 2022, it's easing a little bit. It's waning a little bit and we're kind of moving past that square. So I thought it was very funny that this huge progressive piece of legislation essentially got recycled in 2022. It got a little watered down, a lot watered down, let's be honest. Um, but it still passed in August, which I thought was also really appropriate for the North Node conjunction with Uranus and for the Mars conjunction there too. It just brought extra momentum. But also I thought it was very interesting that this was really kind of negotiated in secret or in behind closed doors. It wasn't negotiated. It was negotiated. It was also written behind closed doors. So there was kind of this surprising aspect to it. Like the Senate brought out this bill, um, this inflation reduction act and was like, here, everybody, this is what's going to happen. And we got Joe Manchin on board. It's going to be signed. And it was very sudden. It was very quick. It was passed. And um, just a couple of pieces from the bill. This bill actually is very it's it's very um although it is a watered down form of build back better um it's still the biggest climate investment in history it lowers costs for prescription drugs it ensures that the biggest corporations pay their fair of taxes um this bill essentially makes companies making over a billion dollars in profits pay at least 15% tax, which I think is like very Uranian and very Uranus and Taurus. Um, it also tackles in fleet inflation and it also has other provisions that help help encourage job growth and climate action. It lowers energy costs theoretically, um, again, and I'm kind of highlighting the best parts of this bill. So I don't mean to like wash over. I'm just not being overly critical because this isn't a show about policy. It's a show about uh, astrology, but essentially the meat of the bill is very progressive and it's very Uranian and it tackles climate change, which I said in the very beginning of 2022 was going to be a huge theme of this year of normalizing climate crises and of normalizing in like just the influx of natural disasters 
opening our eyes, making us more aware of climate change and climate action, which I think is inherent in this bill. And this bill was signed into law and became law on the day that Venus was trying to Jupiter. So I thought that was a very cute and a very successful and a wonderful day for folks to celebrate whoever worked on passing this legislation. Um, I'm not saying I'm for or against this legislation. I'm not promoting anything. I'm just saying the facts and comparing them to astrology because I thought that that was very, very appropriate for the month of August. And it really highlighted a lot of major themes of 2022 kind of came to a head and um, swelled with this legislation, if that makes sense. Sorry, that was a lot of talking on my part. Um, any, any other thoughts about this guys or any other, that those are my major reflections for August. Did y'all have any other things to kind of like throw in there collectively, personally? Yeah. I mean, just to your last point of like, not like approving or condemning or whatever of what it is, but just saying like, here are the energies not to like Mm -hmm. drag us back a hundred years again, but like that happened again. Like last time we had this Taurus energy, North node in Taurus with mm-hmm. that Mars Uranus conjunction, we had the first uh, blue sky bill was passed in Kansas again. And that blue sky bill was about um, regulating companies. And I understand that this bill also like enforces a 15% corporate tax. And mm-hmm. so regulating securities is, is very similar. That's Taurus energy. It's about our money. It's about our resources. It's about our finance. And then having that Mars Uranus is like this sudden action. It's, you know, Uranus can like, I don't want to say be the first, that's kind of like an Aries energy, but like, Mm -hmm. just like, let's go do it. Like, even if it's different, even if it's new. And then there was also this Menshevik trial that happened. um, And that like made the socialist labor movement move forward. And it was about these economists um, who were just put on trial for having um, ideas that were against like, you know, the, what Stalin was wanting at the time. And so um, seeing that again come through where it's like, we've we've got a government taking action for the economy mm-hmm. and then yeah. of movement moving forward to like try to make things a little better. Now, whether it turns out that way at the end of the day is yet to be seen, but. Yeah, also just hearing you say that, I thought of even the very name of the bill being inflation reduction act is so Uranus and Taurus because Uranus and Taurus is the instability of monetary value. Right. Cause Uranus and Mars is, is hot. Yeah. Right. It's inflammatory. Right. Exactly. So it's, I think it's interesting that this is acknowledging the key some very key energy of the astrology that we're dealing with and how that is literally codified into legislation i think it's very very interesting and appropriate yeah Yeah. very cool so shall we move on shall we move forward to our general thoughts and feelings about what we've got coming up in september so september is kind of an interesting month. Um, September, I feel like really highlights for me, we are going to have a Mercury retrograde um, coming up on September 9th and Mercury will be retrograde most of the month until October 2nd. Mars is also going to be in Gemini the entire month of September and Mars will be in its shadow. Mars will not 
be in its shadow period pretty much starting November 3rd. So November 3rd, Mars is not retrograde. It's in Gemini. It's chugging along, but it's also in the shadow period, which I think is worth noting. Um, then we've got a gorgeous full moon in Pisces, and we've got another new moon in Libra uh, for the energy of September. What are your, throwing it out there, folks, what are your general thoughts and feelings about this month ahead in September? I think we used the word limbo when we were kind of talking a little bit. And it kind of makes sense because this month, if Mars is in Gemini and if Venus is in Virgo for most of September, that's two planets that are answering to Mercury uh, because it'll be Venus in Mercury sign and Mars in Mercury's other sign. So it feels to me like the two planets that move us forward, Venus and Mars, are going to be sort of um, almost uh, checking in with Mercury and retrograde a lot. And that makes me think that it's not to say we will not be able to use this month productively. In fact, I don't think that's the point of this Mercury retrograde in particular. Um, But I think there's something, there's Mercury shadow aspects, like, I mean, more like in a psychological way, I'm using the word shadow, like a metaphysical way, not the actual astrological shadow, but there's that too. Um, There's some, there's something there with Mercury. Mercury's going through something this month. So we'll, we'll see. I'm excited to tune into that. Yeah, you know, I um I think you're spot on, Mallory, in terms of like this Venus and the Mercury really being in charge of the month. And I sometimes will look at the numerology of something to like give me a clue, like where is the energy maybe going to shift more towards? And this month, the numerology for September, it's a six universal month. 2022 is a six universal year. And so we're doubling up. It's sort of like double rainbow, happiness kind of thing. And Uh, six in numerology relates to Venus. And so I think we're really going to see, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see Venus like take the reins here in a really positive way. Six um, and Venus relates to like this perfection and this completion energy. And so, yeah, like that limbo, like how can we complete? How can we perfect when we've got like some retrogrades going on um, or like shadows going on at least? And um, you know, Venus starts out the month in Leo, but will go into Virgo. And I kind of got this like be nicer, leave energy. And so I feel like that's how Mercury is going to show up is like be nicer, leave like, and because Mercury has got to go to Venus and be like, hey, what should I do here? Like, can I go talk to these people? Can I go learn this thing? Can I go do this thing? And Venus is like, well, if you're nice, you can go do it. But if not, it's a no. Um, And hopefully we can use this energy to be like more Virgo, more like healing, more like, I don't know, sharpening a skill or leaning into discernment more. Uh, And that takes a lot of time. It does slow us down when we have to lean into that discernment. So again, I feel like that limbo energy because it's like kind of uncertain, but it just sometimes things take time. Absolutely. I also was thinking... 
about Venus being like, yeah, you can be nice, but Venus in Virgo also being like, and you have to get it right, you know? And there's that element of doing things in a particular way that is technically correct, that is, that might have to be reworked or redone or revisited the entire month of September, if that makes sense. There's this element, I feel like the astrology, especially of the Mercury retrograde of starting in Libra and moving back into Virgo, because Mercury will technically move backwards um, from 20 or I'm sorry, Mercury retro will station retrograde at, at it's 24, eight, right? Or oh, station it, retrograde. Yeah. At, at eight degrees yeah. Libra and then move back to 24 degrees Virgo. So there's this element of again, limbo, but again, how can I per- make this more perfect, make this more equitable, make this better? How can I focus on the small details or the small little tweaks and focus on the minor little movements that will make this just a little bit better, if that makes sense, or focusing on the details, focusing on optimization, focusing on the little things in order to facilitate this radical transitional energy that's coming to us in October and November. I think that September is this, okay, how are we going to get this right? How are we going to refigure this? How are we going to reconfigure this? And it's almost, it's very interesting to me because this Mars retrograde cycle that we're talking about from honestly, kind of September through March, 2023 is almost sandwiched in between it's, there are two Mercury retrogrades that fall during this Mars retrograde. We've got this Mercury retrograde that falls during the shadow period. And then there's another Mercury retrograde that's happening while Mars is also retrograde and Mars is being ruled by Mercury, right? So I think that these two Mercury retrogrades, the one that's happening now in September and the Mercury retrograde that will happen at the end of January and in February are going to be extremely important times to refine how we operate in order for to facilitate a major directional change. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, especially because I think that this this Mercury retrograde might be our last in air signs um, for a while. And so it's going to be moving. So like just the fact that it's going back into Virgo um, is sort of a shadow that the next one I think is going to be in Capricorn uh, this winter. Right. And um, some of what you were saying with like that perfection quality of of Mercury retrograding into Virgo, it's like sometimes that Virgo energy can show up being like really critical and like um, it's hard for people to take if they don't know what's going on with it. But I always feel like when it starts out in Libra, it's got that frustration with, uh, and I don't mean that from a technical perspective, but it, it might feel kind of frustrated by Venus being like, hey, like I was saying, be nice. And then it goes back into Virgo and it's like, I can do what I need to do now. 
I'm telling you, we got to do this because it's going to make things better. And I'm only saying this, like, because I really care about, like, I see this thing that needs to be fixed and we can go ahead and do it. Maybe when we have that retrograde in Capricorn, it's like putting some, you know, talking about how can we actually practically build this thing that we need to do. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like this March or I'm sorry, this September is a very important start to a theme in our lives, both on a personal level and on a collective level to something that it will be carried through September, October, November, December, January, February, and March. Like this is the, this month is a very important starting point of something that we're going to be chewing on and something that we're going to be working through during the, this entire transition from 2022 to 2023. And now it is more of that bridge the September, it is more of a limbo. It's a little more of a transitional energy, but nevertheless, it's a really important month to focus on how to get the details right and to focus on the little subtle changes, the little minor tweaks in order to kind of set the ball in motion and get the ball rolling Absolutely. for the rest of for honestly, for this entire transitional period. Totally. Yeah. I also just want to bring up some in the cosmic guide for the astrology of 2022 cosmic guide. Um, we rated the astrological intensity of September at a two. So it's not as astrologically intense as a lot of the different months throughout the year. We also said that September, just quick tips for September. September is a great month to take an intentional pause. And I love that. And I still really stand by that. Um, also September is a little bit of a breath of fresh air. It also is a time to really find your flow and trust in your process. So those are just some other quick tips. I thought, um, I wanted to share for the month of September that I really think apply, especially an intentional pause. I love that for this mercury retrograde cycle. Um, especially because it will mercury will station direct opposite Neptune. So I think that there is a much needed, there is a much needed, pause a much needed intentional wait a second step back see how it's gonna move see how see everything for what it is and then move forward and you know I just think that in general this month the astrology of this month is a really great time of purging of making space and of editing because that's really what Virgo season is all about but I think that movement of Mercury back into Virgo will really bring it's just like a lot of you know editing and getting down to basics truly really and with that editing process I really believe that that's what makes space for what's going to come into our lives during eclipse season at the end of October. So now September puts us in this strategic position of being able to make space for these changes and directional shifts coming up. Anyway. Any other thoughts before we dive into uh, week one? 
No, I'm excited to talk about Venus moving into Virgo, though. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I haven't Venus. And so I'm excited for that too. But before Venus and Virgo, there are two, the first technical week of September from September 1st or the first week and a half, I guess half a week of September, the first, second, third, and fourth of September kind of get off to a very strong start in of September on September 1st, we have Mars sextile Jupiter. And on September 2nd, we have Mercury opposite Jupiter on that Friday. So it's kind of interesting because September starts on this week, it's the start of this weekend. And this is some, this is some, this is some very strong Jupiter in Aries activity for these first two days. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Or do you want to kick it off and elaborate a little bit on how you're feeling about the energy to start September? What do you think? What advice would you give? I'm super excited about this start to September. I think like, especially that Mars sextile Jupiter is uh, as someone like a native, as you said, with Jupiter and Aries, it's like Mars rules, you know, the Jupiter while it's in Aries. And so it's this energy of it's, it's energy. It is, it's like big energy. And so making sure that you like catch that energy and store it, it's very courageous. And it's like, it's kind of subtle though, because it's a sextile, it's not a trine. It's not like just abundantly flowing through, but it's like, Hey, let's, let's have some courage here. And then the very next day, having that Mercury opposite Jupiter, I think is it's sort of like a meeting of the minds or like adventure and travel. And uh, it can maybe be a little bit impulsive. So it's like, hey, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I, and um, I hope it's okay. I said pre-show, we were talking a little bit about <laughs> being brave with other people and dating and things like that. And I think it's the day, like, if you want to like, I mean, depending on your chart and what house it falls in, like, that's the ask someone out on a date, like, let's go on a trip or like, let's go do this thing together kind of energy, like just, you know, yeah. Make it sexy. Mm-hmm. Mars sextile Jupiter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, the we get almost pushed in, into September. Like it's like, okay, here you go. And we get flown into the month. And then after like the first couple of weeks, then the momentum slows down a little bit, but I do feel exactly what you're saying. This almost is like a little bit of that lightning in a bottle type of energy or a really wonderful momentous push forward into the month to get started. Totally. What are your thoughts, and Matt? Oh, sorry. Oh, go sorry. ahead, Taylor. No, I was just going to say, especially because it's like right after that new moon and it's like Mm. the Mercury opposite Jupiter is like the day before the first quarter moon. And that's when we see like this sort of like action of like, Hey, I need your help. Hey, I want to do this. Hey, you know, so like the moon is growing in light. So it is a good time to like use that impulsive energy to like get things going. Oh, absolutely. I love that. That is so true. Especially it kind of falls after a really ouchy, um, or energetically difficult Virgo, uh, new moon that we've got coming up. But so I do like it. I feel like this soothes over some of the tension that we might have felt at the very end of August, because the very end of August, that new moon is 
I don't know. It's a little painful. So I do really like this as almost like that new moon that rebound into something productive and into something motivating. Absolutely. Yeah. Mercury opposite Jupiter. Um, I, I like to think of Mercury, Jupiter, um, Mercury Jupiter aspects as like the comedian aspects, actually literally a lot of comedians have Mercury Jupiter. Um, I have Mercury uh, sexal Jupiter and clearly I'm hilarious. Like it's, it's like in, in the blood of Mercury Jupiter. One of my favorite Mercury Jupiter people is Jim Carrey who has, Mercury in an exact conjunction with Jupiter. And it's funny because his comedy is very mercurial. It's like he's making these weird facial expressions and talking in like different voices. And a lot of people kind of even get grossed out by like the way he moves his face. Um, but overall, Mercury Jupiter can be um, healing through comedy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it might be a good time to just take things with a grain of salt, find the comedy in the situation, especially if things aren't going perfectly, and continue to move forward because nobody knows what they're doing anyways. So, you know, don't wait until you feel like you know what you're doing because that's might never happen. <laughs> Totally. I, and I love what you're saying, Mal, because if you think about like, I don't want to get too technical with it, but like the way that Mercury and Jupiter look at each other naturally, quote unquote, within um, a chart, they're always opposite. You know, Pisces is opposite Virgo. Pisces is Jupiter, Virgo is Mercury. Sagittarius is opposite from Gemini. Sagittarius is Jupiter, Gemini is Mercury. And so it's very natural for them. And I think the comedy comes in, if you think about what a comedian does, they take this Jupiter thing, something that's very big, something that's very overarching, and they make it Mercury. They make it very small and very personal, and they tell an anecdote about it. And then the whole audience erupts in laughter, right? Because they're like, oh my God, I relate to that thing. We all relate to the thing. And you just made it personal. And then Mercury using the words in, in a particular way to just kind of like drive that point home. So I hadn't thought about the comedy until you said it, but like it makes total sense. Um, so I love that they're in this this natural aspect to one another of like, this is this is who we are. I also, I love everything that both of you said about this and the comedy that was so eloquent and well put about what a comedian does about how they take what's small and make it would take something very big and conceptual and bring it to you. And it's like, why am I laughing so hard about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> about like about, about what like I couldn't do this yeah right but totally. the mercury person can like they somehow figure exactly. it out how to like make it really because it's clever exactly and yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning that September 2nd mercury will be opposite Jupiter but this will also happen three times during this retrograde during this mercury retrograde cycle so September 2nd September 18th, Mercury will be retrograde opposite Jupiter. And then on, and then finally on October 12th, Mercury will be opposite Jupiter again for the final time. Also literally at the final pass of this, 
Mars will be square Neptune as well for the first time, which is something we might need a bookmark, but it's just something to note for nerds out there. Um, But I think that it's very interesting that this is a moment again at the beginning of September that will continue to play out throughout September and October. And I guess, do you guys have any thoughts about how that will play out and how this theme perhaps that comes up on the beginning of September on September 2nd will play out in the middle of September and at the end or in the middle of September and October. So like the the Mars Neptune energy and like the Mercury. Yeah. Just like the continuous connection, like, and about how that might manifest you know, I was actually looking at the uh, at the full moon and thinking like, oh, it's interesting. Like, even though, you know, the Jupiter Mercury is like separating, it's, I don't know. I just kind of feel like there's something there um, where it comes up and maybe that's where we need the comic relief mm. is at that full moon. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I mean, I don't want to jump the, the gun into the full moon, but I think that's a place where we could definitely highlight the comedy (laughs) and feel like hey let me just put on Netflix during this full moon and laugh at some stuff yeah I would use it there yeah the other thing I'll say too is that um I remember there was a story with Mercury I think square to Neptune uh, a couple years ago when the pandemic first came about there was a Mercury retrograde it was square to Neptune and there was this and it, the transit hit three times and there was a lot of misinformation. It was there's a lot of confusion over what was the truth and what was not. Um, and we really saw that story unfold. So that's something that everything everybody can remember, like thinking back to the beginning of the uh, Panini and this Mercury retrograde being squared to Neptune and blah 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 but now we have this interesting mercury jupiter story so mercury jupiter is a little bit different than a mercury neptune because mercury neptune's like oh i'm not sure like this is all so confusing and cloudy but i would say a shadow of mercury jupiter is like this is the truth like the declaration of truth um and, and this is the universal truth that everybody should believe And Jupiter also does literally relate on a mundane level to like governmental legislation. So I'm wondering if this three pass of the Mercury Jupiter opposition has something to do with different laws being reformed or even seeing in the news like someone really a declaration of truth that may or may not be true. Um, We could find ourselves being a little bit more maybe like political in the way we're speaking and declaring our truth. That's what I'm kind of thinking with this story that's unfolding. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that it is important. I think that again, especially part of this Mars retrograde process is really going to highlight discernment in the media, being very conscious of what we know to be true. I think that the role that the media plays in shaping our reality is going to be a huge theme for the rest of 2022. 
Um, and it's really going to be very strongly highlighted. We'll feel it in September. And I think October it is going to be a potent part of our experience is the resurgence of fake news, um, the blurring of lines, blurring of boundaries between what's true and what's not. So then it, I do find it very interesting to have these Mercury-Jupiter oppositions as we head into this confusing situation that is October and November uh, 2022. So perhaps these Mercury-Jupiter uh, oppositions might provide a little bit of, like what you were saying, this amplification of what is true, what is not, and bring up more themes of where we get our sources, where we get our news, and maybe in the a refinement of that because of the Mercury retrograde of it all. There's this reflection there's this reflective quality to how we you know interpret that information i also feel like on a personal level the this energy that we get in early september especially on september 2nd is really going to highlight what we are on a personal level, maybe on a collective level, but especially on a personal level, you know, it's going to highlight relational energy and what we are meant to share and what we are meant to keep to ourselves. And I think that this Mercury retrograde and specifically these times around early September, mid-September and mid-October are really going to highlight how we can think win-win and how we can be in partnerships that almost are that really highlight autonomous interdependence where we can maintain our own sense of individuality you know Jupiter and Aries but also maintain our the ability to think of other people and to consider other people when we do act independently so we are not and almost balancing the scales, not to be overly referential to the Libra scales that Mercury is retrograding in. But I do think that this presents that opportunity to help us balance our thinking and help us to consider ourselves and our own needs, but also the needs of any partnership that we're in and that we need to communicate. I think that these are really important times where we can communicate our needs a little bit better and be our own advocate and advocate and advocate for what we truly want out of this deal. Cause I think that in September in general, there is going to be some type of revision of a contract, which we're going to talk about more when we talk about Mercury retrograde or what I want to talk about when we talk about Mercury retrograde. It is about revising the terms of some deal, some type of relationship that we're in. It could be a relationship with your hairstylist or your mentor or your partner or your best friend, but there is this some type of revision of the terms of what we're used to and how we might need to tweak that. So, but I think that the second and what we're talking about with the Mercury Jupiter dynamics is going to help us come back to ourselves within that dynamic. So we're don't lose ourselves. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that um, you're just so spot on with all of that. 
especially as we move into that second week of September, we can see the same theme being highlighted in all of the aspects from uh, the seventh, uh, you know, with the sun trying the north node. Then, of course, as you said, the Mercury retrograde in Libra, that Pisces full moon is going to have that moon opposite Venus. That's another sort of thing where it's like, I need to communicate my needs. Sun trying the north node is like, hey, I need to be my authentic self. And that's my path towards, towards, you know, that's the path I need to be to- going towards. Absolutely. And then that sun trine Uranus again, it's like, Hey, I've got to be my authentic self. I can't be anything uh, less, but back to your point about like, just like the, the talking and the communicating, I got this thing of like, I wonder if it'll be like this millennials and Gen Z who are finally like, Hey, we're adults. We're here. We have something to say. You guys need to listen up. We're communicating our needs to you. We're citizens. We're human beings. We have rights here and they need to be balanced. They need to be considered. We are a big part of the population now. So listen up. Um, and I hope, and maybe that's part of like, yeah. so that election energy of like a big push. Like I just saw someone was like the first Gen Z candidate to win their uh, primary, right? So it's like, that voice finally breaking through Uranus, um, that sort of energy. Absolutely. And I was just about to say, I saw the same exact story about the first Gen Z candidate and that Jupiter in Aries is trining that earlier generation of a Pluto and Sagittarius, which is Gen Z. So Gen Z is going to be called out significantly, I think, Maybe not. They might go away a little bit in November, frankly, because that's when Jupiter moves back into Pisces. But it is a call out moment for that generation that I think will resurge with a vengeance in December and in 2023 for sure. Absolutely. So you said it before I did. Shall we move into the first week or I'm sorry, the second week slash first full week of September from September 5th to the 11th? Venus and Virgo. Mal, please start us off with Venus and Virgo because you are very excited to discuss this Venus and Virgo transit. And I want to hear your thoughts. What are your thoughts, advice, wisdom on Venus and Virgo to start out the second full week of September? Yeah, well, uh, I was thinking maybe we'll do a little basic profile of Venus and Virgo and like who is Venus when they are in Virgo. And it's interesting because this is actually the sign of Venus's fall, which basically means that it's one of the signs along with Aries and Scorpio where Venus isn't like at her prime, let's say. Um, Venus fundamentally as a planet what does venus want to do they want to harmonize they want to bring people together they want to throw a beautiful dinner party with really amazing food and comfortable chairs and la di da di da and virgo is one of those signs that venus might struggle with completely being able to um exert their will right um but that being said, it's it's not a curse or anything to have Venus and Virgo. It's not um it's not a 
quote unquote bad transit because Venus is in her fall. I actually think there's a lot to do when Venus is in Virgo because I want to say uh, Venus in Virgo must have invented the phrase beauty is pain. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some really major like plastic surgeons having Venus and Virgo because there's something about that placement. Venus doesn't lack beauty, but beauty becomes some sort of um, painful pursuit or there's something inherently, I don't want to say problematic, but there's something that um, creates pain from this pursuit of beauty and harmony. And that could go along with our Virgo kind of stereotype, which is the critic. Um, so a Venus and Virgo transit and a native with Venus and Virgo could be highly critical of themselves. Um, it's funny, Kate, that you just said Kim Kardashian has Venus and Virgo because so does Kylie Jenner. And she's uh, Kim Kardashian's little sister, the owner of Kylie Cosmetics, a multi-billion dollar cosmetic industry or a cosmetic company. Um, so they're making profits off of this idea that there's a sense of unrealistic beauty that can be obtained. At least that's their message. Like you can have this hourglass figure or you can have these lips or you can have this body yet we ourselves are selling something that's been curated by like a plastic surgeon you know no shade to those people who have had plastic surgery I mean I'm very neutral about that choice but see there's something shadowy about that and there's something Venus and Virgo about that the one more thing I'll say with Venus and Virgo is from my personal experience, um, one of my cousins, who's a really good friend, is a Libra rising ruled by Venus and Virgo. And every time we hang out, guess what we do? We go to Sephora. We go to Ulta. Um, she has like one of the biggest makeup collections you've ever seen. And she's just super into makeup. And we don't think of that as a Venus and Virgo thing, but I think it is because it's like the pursuit of perfection or like the pursuit of beauty to an extent where we have to be careful because it can get shadowy at some point when we're really perfecting our image. Um, and ultimately, Venus wants beauty to be easy. Venus wants beauty to be pleasurable. Um, Venus doesn't want beauty to be painful. But that's that's kind of my initial take on that. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, that whole like striving for perfection and beauty. There's two people that come to mind for me. Like I, I try to stay away from like the just personally like the celebrity stuff because I just I. Um, I don't know. It's a long story. I won't get into it, but <laughs> I do. Uh, my favorite Venus in Virgo is Alexander Skarsgård. And it's so interesting because, I mean, to me, he's like this Swedish perfection <laughs> kind of a thing. And, and there's this beauty there, but there's also like just the way that he is dedicated to his art like there are roles that he takes where he really downplays his natural beauty, his natural attractiveness and things like that. But 
it's, um, it's like, let's get our hands dirty. Like, let's like actually, cause it, Virgo's an earth sign. So it's like, let's get into it, but you can definitely get a little too into it. And so the other person that come that comes to mind who has Venus in Virgo natally was Louis Armstrong. And Louis Armstrong made beautiful music. Um, obviously he also had four marriages and like what happens when you have multiple marriages? Well, like someone found something wrong with the first one. And then they tried to make it better with the second one. And then they tried to make it better with the third one. And he loved all of these beautiful women. And, you know, it's like striving for a little bit too much, um, you know, goodness sometimes can be a fault. And I think that's why Venus struggles in Virgo, because it's like, just like wanting the best of things. And sometimes you can't let, did you say this, that can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good kind of a thing. I love that. Absolutely. And I also feel like with Venus and Virgo is technically what we call, you know, an essential dignity is it's in, it's in fall. And I feel like we need to rework our relationship with dignities as an astrology, as an astrological community. I'm sure like all of the traditional astrologers are going to come for me after I say this, but, um, like Mal was saying, Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner both have Venus and Virgo, and they are arguably the women that set the beauty standards for all women. They have billion dollar cosmetic companies and they have Venus, which is the archetype that has to do with beauty in a, in a, not in a terrible position. It's not doing well. It does not like Venus according to the, according to the astrological technique called whether or not a planet is in dignity, um, which essentially for the just out there, if a planet does well and it's happy and it has access to its resources, then it's technically dignified and it's able to operate to its highest and most full potential. But you can't. So when a planet is not in dignity, when it's in fall or when it's in detriment, it tends to have a difficult time expressing itself. It can be uncomfortable. It might need to work a little harder to express itself if it's in detriment. If it's in fall, then technically it kind of may have the feeling of an outcast or being disrespected um, or being against the mainstream way of doing things is sometimes how planets in fall are, are referred to. But I think it's very interesting because Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner both have Venus and Virgo and they are the main, they kind of are the mainstream way of doing things a little bit. Um, and I think that Venus and Virgo isn't necessarily, Oh, you have a hard time being beautiful or it's not easy for you. I love the beauty is pain idea, but I think it also reminds us that although we can be the most beautiful person in the room, that doesn't mean we feel like the most beautiful person in the room, you know, and how having Venus in fall 
it doesn't mean that you're not beautiful. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy. It just means that you might not feel like it. So that really, I think is such an important takeaway for Venus in Virgo is to remediate that by really digging into your self-esteem and instead of examining critically how you think you should look, appreciating what makes you unique and appreciating what makes you feel different instead of being overly critical of what makes you different and appreciating the flaws that come um, with not even the flaws, but the imperfections that actually make you, you are what is beautiful and what is attractive. And the whole myth of perfection is just a myth and really sinking into that idea to help bolster and refill reservoirs of self-esteem that could potentially be a little depleted through September, I think is really important. And even if you don't feel like the most beautiful being aware of the fact that that's just your inner saboteur talking as RuPaul would say that inner saboteur. Um, and we can't give in to that inner saboteur and don't give in to that inner saboteur. If you feel that, um, rising up throughout September, that's what I would really say about Venus and Virgo. Totally. And it's interesting also because, you know, if you want to think about Virgo, like sometimes we think about that virgin concept and it's like, it's not. And so just going back to your point about dignity, where did dignity come from? Cause I'm with you. Like I get it. And dignity, I don't want to say capitalist cause that's not, you know, back, but patriarchal certainly. And so to bring up dignity and patriarchy, when we're talking specifically about Venus, which is like, you know, more of this, feminine energy, um, you know, the planet that traditionally does signify women identified people, um, to, to really say, hey, why don't we subvert this? Because it wasn't a virgin as we understand it popularly today. Like that, that virgin, that Virgo virgin just wasn't married. They had relations. I don't know what I can say on the show. They had relations. They oh, were they sexual. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> And, and so we see that, like, just what I was saying with Louis Armstrong, it's like, it's like, let's get into it. Let's get our hands dirt. Like, let's do some stuff with that earth energy. And it was considered, I think, having this dignity that wasn't acceptable because it wasn't flowing for supporting the patriarchal structures of the time. If you have women or people who are like that, you know, women identified folks, who can get it and not be married, that is subverting the patriarchy. And so of course it's it's not recognized as being acceptable or being in its highest and greatest good. And we do kind of go in our minds and say like, oh, oh, maybe I'm, I don't feel beautiful. Well, it's because of the context of the society that we live in that's so patriarchal. It's not that you're not, you know, it's that you are, but like in, with the rules that we have right now, you're made to feel that way. You're made to like feel less than how brilliant and amazing you are. 
I think we just seeded another episode for a really good podcast about the patriarchal context of the dignity system and astrology. So we're going to have to bookmark that because yeah, I, I could talk all day about um, Mars and Cancer because that's what I have and the patriarchy around Mars and Cancer, Mars and Capricorn. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I digress, but that is a great point. And I'm writing that down because. Taylor, I think that's genius. And you've actually been putting to words towards something that I've been mulling over about the dignities for a while. Yeah. In the patriarchal context. Perfect. And no one hates the patriarch. Actually, a lot of people hate the patriarchy as much as I do, but I am so anti-patriarchy. Um, anyway, so Venus and Virgo, wonderful treatment there. Let's move on, shall we? To Let's move on to the weekend of the 9th, 10th, and 11th. So this kind of second weekend in September has a lot of probably the major astrology of the entire month is... Or I would say probably some of the most intense astrology of September happens around the 9th, 10th, and the 11th around that weekend. So on Friday the 9th, Mercury will station retrograde in in Libra. Mercury will station retrograde at 8 degrees Libra and move back to 24 degrees Virgo. So if you're listening and you have any planets around those spaces, this Mercury retrograde or any of those degrees, this Mercury retrograde will be more impactful for you. Um, the Mercury retrograde is going to last from the 9th until the 2nd, and its shadow is from the August 20th to until October 16th. Um, this Mercury retrograde is going to be very interesting because it opposes Jupiter, like we talked about. It's also moving backwards from an air sign to an earth sign. Then we have the Pisces full moon. And then right after the Pisces full moon, which we also might be able to kind of like merge those two together. Um, the sun will be exactly trying Uranus. Um, so, or Uranus will be in almost like a sextile to this full Pisces full moon. Um, so let's kick this off by diving into more details about this Mercury retrograde that we have happening on the ninth. Again, we really, we kind of, we really kind of skated over, we kind of really skated over this when we were talking about just the monthly vibe and the monthly overview for this, but this Mercury retrograde in Libra again is really such a focal part of the astrology of September. Are there any more details that y'all would like to share and kind of dive into and really sink the teeth into about thinking and talking about this Mercury retrograde in Libra? Like what can people expect or how could we best use and work with the energy of this Mercury in Libra? What do you guys think? Well, one of the things that I was going to say is that I think it's really interesting. We mentioned where it's going to station direct. So it'll go back into Virgo and it's going to station direct at 24 degrees of Virgo. And that's going to be opposing Neptune. And that's just so classically Mercury retrograde is like, you know, when we think about low vibe interpretations of Mercury retrograde, it's like confusion and delusion. And it really is just like, hey, why don't we just be, why don't we like, lean into spiritual messages. I mean, that's more maybe a high vibe way to interpret it is like, let's get in touch with nature, Virgo, Pisces axis. 
Um, let's go be by water. Let's listen to the intuitive messages that we receive um, from non-traditional sources. Uh, while it's in Mercury, I think it really is like, hey, or while it's in Libra, I think it it's like air sign relationships. Why don't I go seek some information from other people, get a second opinion? Um, you know, what do you think about this? I started, you know, this Mars energy, I started to try something new and I'd really love your feedback on it. I want to apply some self-regulation here. Um, I want to be better. I want to do better. I think those are the the good energies that could come from this. Yeah, I agree, Taylor. And I also think, you know, Mercury stations retrograde at eight degrees Libra, which is an air sign. And Mars is also hanging out in Gemini, another air sign. So technically, they're kind of in a loose trine. But that being said, I'm thinking about how when we have a lot of air sign energy, I like to think about the um, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. And that might be especially true during this kind of heavy air sign vibe. Um, don't, uh, well, how could I say this? Like, maybe be skeptical of your own truths. You know, um, if you decide, oh, that person's just like such a bitch or like, oh, like that person is not going to be able to have a conversation about this or it's just going to go terrible if I bring it up. Like those are all assumptions and stories and narratives that could have nothing to do with the truth. And how do we really get to the truth of a matter? Well, I don't exactly know, but I know that collecting evidence is part of it. Like, you know, getting to the truth of something, we need evidence that supports that truth. So before you decide, you know, this is true about me or this is true about this other person or this is the truth about my situation, do you actually have evidence to support that? Or is that just more of a shadow air sign kind of assumption that that you just made i yeah i love that sorry taylor what were we gonna say oh no i was just gonna say it's like mercury and virgo can be so critical because it has all the facts like you were saying it has all this evidence it has all of this information just because you have it and you're right doesn't mean you need to be right if you truly like virgo care about making things better you need to stop for a second reflect maybe lean into that Jupiter opposition energy, take the most generous Jupiter interpretation of the situation. That's like a Brene Brown thing that I love to say. And then lean into this Virgo heart-centered discernment and say, okay, this is what I think. I could win the argument because I do have all the facts. I do have all the figures and I've analyzed it and I totally know what's going on, which is a Virgo thing. But if I want if I truly care about the person, I don't need to point out all the flaws and all the smudges and all of the things. I need to actually think about how do I need to say this so that the person can hear it, which is a Mercury thing, and understand it and feel cared for so that then Libra, we can have a better relationship with one another. 
Mm, that is beautiful and very well said. And I think perfect for, I, yeah, that's a wonderful tone for what we can expect this Mercury retrograde. I also feel like, and I mentioned it before, but part of this Mercury retrograde is revising the terms of the relationships that we're in and the terms that we've agreed on. And perhaps because Mercury in Libra is inherently relational, it has to do with how we think about other people, how we consider other people, um, how we think win-win, how we do business dealings with those, with our partners is very mercurial because, you know, Mercury does have to do with those business transactions. It's how we meet another person. And with Mercury in Libra, moving back into Virgo, there is a revision that has to be done on these mutually agreed upon terms that perhaps no longer apply. You know, perhaps they're outdated, perhaps they, they're not reflective of who you are anymore, which is another big feature that I think we'll see on the 2nd, the 18th and October 12th with the Jupiter opposition. It's like, are these terms even reflective of me anymore? And how can I realign my relationships? How can I realign my relationship expectations? How can I realign my business dealings in a way that is more authentic? And in a way that is more represent representative of how I'm changing in 2022 and these changes that I really want to pivot into and how can I rethink how I approach the situation, but also how I might approach this situation with another person, with my most serious partnerships, with my therapist, you know, with my part, with my business partner, you know, with all of these relationships, all of these relational dealings are being rethought and reworked and tweaked a little bit. And I think when Mercury hit, uh, actually I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about the Mercury Kazemi point, um, in a bit, but I think that you know, it is going to be a really important time of reassessing which relationships truly align with this new person that's coming forward in 2022. And how can we pivot and tweak to be a little more authentic, I think is going to be one of the major themes of this Mercury retrograde. So in terms of advice and how to work with it, you know, I think that it's really important to not be afraid of and not kind of back out from any serious conversation that needs to be had. Um, perhaps I think that although there's this, there's the mythology that Mercury retrogrades can have mixed messages or poor interpretation, or it's not a great time for communication. I don't agree with that. And I really don't buy it a lot of the time. Um, especially maybe during Mercury shadow period, but I do think that when Mercury is retrograde, it is such a wonderful opportunity for us to see situations from a different angle. And maybe for us to have conversations that we wouldn't normally have otherwise, you know, perhaps they will be need to, they will be 
revisited at some point, but during this mercury retrograde time period, I do think that it is the time to have nuanced conversations about a glaringly obvious issue that we might not know how to approach normally. And it'll leave that communication open and not close that off. And also to communicate with yourself and reflect with yourself because of that reflective nature of Mercury retrograde and, you know, taking more seriously your journaling practice, your therapeutic practice, and really diving into the insights that you get about yourself through these oppositional dynamics that uh, Mercury and Libra really kind of brings up for us. Any other thoughts on the Mercury retrograde in Libra and Virgo that's starting this, this first weekend of September? What do y'all, any other final feelings, ruminations? Really quickly, I'll just say I completely agree with you. And I think Mercury retrograde can be a great time for conversations, important conversations, especially things that needed to be talked about in the past but were swept under the rug i think actually that's when you want to have that conversation during mercury retrograde like if we need to talk about something that was swept under the rug let's do it now (laughs) you know so i completely resonate with what you said kate yeah and i'll just point out that you know just like we talked about dignity and reclaiming that it's like why don't we reclaim retrograde and just understand that it's it's a, a time to focus on our communication and a time to bring up our communication and that there's so many ways it can be beneficial and it's nothing to be scared of. You know, if you have it natally in your chart or you have it by progression, you have mercury retrograde, especially like don't stop yourself from doing things. Like if you feel like you're going to, you want to put something out there or like have a conversation. Don't be like, Oh, it's retrograde. I can't do it. Like, just do it. Just do it. Cause like, that's, that's what's happening. Like you're being pushed, like the energy is pushing you to do, do a thing go do it. Yeah, exactly. I do think that I did have someone on Instagram ask me yesterday if they should avoid making changes to their physical appearance when Mercury is going retrograde in their first house and into their 12th. And all I said, uh, what I really wanted to say was like, just wait until Venus gets into your first house. Like, doesn't matter about the work Mercury retrograde, but when Venus hits Libra in your first house, that's the moment to make the physical, <laughs> the changes. Like, and it's not about avoiding things because of Mercury retrograde, but maybe it's just about like finding the better time for something because of something else. But you can't avoid living your life. You can't. Yeah. There are optimal times, but cannot avoid living your life because of a mercury retrograde like it happens three times a year for three weeks it's not that rare it's actually a wonderful time to see things differently anyway so let's dive into that pisces full moon shall we the first full moon of the month, actually the first and only full, the first lunation and the full moon of the month of September. So for this lunation, we have, it actually happens on September 10th at 6 a.m. Eastern standard time. 
the sun will be at 17 degrees Virgo and the moon will be at 17 degrees Pisces. Um, and the Neptune will be at 24 degrees Pisces. So it will kind of sweep over Neptune and it will be this, this full moon will be, um, sextile Uranus almost a the next day and the sun will be trine Uranus almost the next day. So we get this nice little Uranian, Uranian contact. We get some Neptunian contact as well. How are you guys thinking into how are you guys feeling and in, into this full moon or even thinking about this full moon? Oh, I can put it up on the screen in just a minute. Yeah, I think I, I was saying before, like, this is really where we get that highlight energy where we're gonna want some comic relief perhaps especially with that uh sextile and trying to the uranus and the north node because when you have the sun opposite the moon it's pretty emotional uh to begin with you've got venus uh and the sun in the same sign venus is um it's it's it it's at this place where it's kind of like struggling to be seen and that interpretation is then again reinforced by its uh by venus being you know opposite the moon earlier in the day when you have venus opposite the moon it's like hey i have needs and hey you have needs and i want to like help us meet our needs but sometimes um if you don't communicate what those needs are you don't get them met because they're wanting different totally opposite things and um and that's kind of hard and emotional. So when you have the moon and Neptune together, again, that's like pretty emotional. Um, the sun is going to come to oppose Neptune, you know, so we're going to get maybe our first highlight of what that'll look like when it becomes exact. Um, and then that that Mercury opposite Jupiter is that comic relief, maybe like if you don't think about it, because it's it's in this aspect where it's like not easily accessed by this full moon necessarily. It's like just like to the side of it, um, like in conjunct and quincunx. It feels like, you know, I'm forgetting that I can laugh at things because it's going to maybe feel um, emotionally a lot. But you could use this energy to just take things slow. Um, go inward, like spa, bath, water, like massage, all the things in nature, listen to water and be in water. Uh, I think that would be really helpful in healing. Absolutely. I love a water ritual or a, a water moment for any water illumination. It's so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And also just that the moon, um, I sometimes use the goddesses and the moon is going to be conjunct Juno, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, uh, yeah, right there at 14. Uh, so I think again, it brings up relationships and, and am I loyal to myself? Am I loyal to someone else? Like where am I loyal in terms of like getting my, my needs met and expressing them mm, and being absolutely. a good partner in relationship with someone else. Absolutely. It highlights the same relational dynamics that we're kind of talking about with the Mercury retrograde in the second house as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How are you feeling about this full moon, Mel? You're a Pisces. You're a Pisces queen, queen of the Pisces rule. 
Pisces, <laughs> sun, and moon in the ninth house. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, to be, I have not been into the, the lunations lately, like just in general. I used to be so mm. into using the new moon and the full moon for ritual purposes or pulling cards. And for some reason, I'm, I've been kind of not paying attention to them that much lately. But I will say something I notice about this that really stands out with this lunation is the trine and sextile to Uranus. And I kind of like that. I, I mean, I don't I for me, Uranus is that breath of fresh air. Now, Uranus is conjunct the nodes or opposing and conjunct the nodes. So there's a little bit of like a karmic thing here. So we could expect something a little bit unpredictable with this full moon, but maybe it's a surprise that kind of leads you to the next step. It wasn't necessarily something that you were seeing into, but now that it's been revealed, I could see us being able to see something uh, a little bit more clearly or just information coming in on this full moon. Um, but overall, I feel pretty neutral about it. I don't look at it and think, oh, my God, this is a disaster or, oh, my gosh, we should use this as a launch date for our wildest dreams. Like, I'm just like, all right, it's just it's a full moon in Pisces. Everybody's going to be crying. Put <laughs> Bring your queen. <laughs> oh, I love it, Val. And you know, it's it's so that nodal, like this place where where Uranus and the North Node are. Uh, I think we call it the point of Thales. It's like this point where we can kind of push things one way or another. I think it's going to remind us of, you know, I'm I was going to say it. Like this summer has been hard. It's been really hard for a lot of people, um, and. I think it's going to be like, hey, remember when it was really hard in May? Remember when it was really hard in July? Remember when it was really hard in August? I've had a little space from it and I need to have a conversation with you now because I feel like big things just happened. I was not feeling great about it and um, I need to take a different path forwards now. And so can we kind of come together and discuss it and those feelings come up for healing perhaps. And, um, and so it's, like you said, it's not necessarily like bad or hard or whatever, but I do think it's like a resolution that comes from these experiences that we've been having to say like, all right, let's, let's take a different direction now. I love that. And I think that to dovetail off of what you were saying, I think that there is a very potent reflective quality to this full moon because of everything that we've said, but also because it's ruled by Jupiter retrograde and Aries. So there is this reflective quality that makes this full moon, I think, a wonderful time again for reflection. It is also falling the very day after Mercury retrograde. So there that also brings in another very potent element of reflection and of nonlinear time governing our perception of an experience. And with Mercury retrograde in Aries, I think this full moon is a wonderful time to reflect on our identity and to reflect on the identity that has been formed since May of 2022, reflect on who we are 
and how we've been called to change and maybe even a new person of ourselves that's really been emerging since May of 2022. And this is a wonderful full moon to really ask yourself, who have you become over this past year? How have you changed? Or did you start something new? Did you initiate a new idea? And what was that new idea? And perhaps this full moon is a wonderful time for illumination on all of those topics so that they can be worked through throughout the Mercury retrograde throughout the rest of September in order to really, again, push us towards new ways of being in October and November. I also think it's worth mentioning that I think there's something very specific in this lunation cycle. So by the lunation cycle, I mean the new moon that happened in Virgo at the end of at the very end of August and the, this is kind of the, this is the culmination of what was started at that full, that, or at that new moon, at the Virgo new moon on August 27th, we're recording this on the 25th. So it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think that that Virgo new moon was almost like this tear in order to repair. Um, so I think that on this full moon, it's a wonderful time to reflect it on perhaps what was torn or what was severed in the end of August, and maybe even how that might be coming back together for you and how that might or what was cut out, maybe what was taken away or what was removed and how that might've made space for something new to emerge. And on this full moon, I sense that newness emerging, especially because of that sextile Uranus. There is this pushing forward with the themes of 2022 inherent in the DNA of this full moon, because this full moon will be in that helpful little sextile to Uranus and the sun will be exactly trying Uranus the same day. There's something about this full moon that although it is very reflective, it is this reflection in order and in service to a new vision, a new cause, a new dream, a new idea that has been percolating and similar simmering and like bubbling like lava underneath the surface all 2022. You know, this is a time truly to see that vision and to be inspired towards that vision through a process of self-reflection and through a tough process of making space, which is difficult to do, which I think is what we're being asked to do a lot in September is to remove, to edit, to take out and to make space for something else really, really fucking cool to come through. Um, and although it seems scary, I think it will come through in very, very interesting ways in October, November and December as we exit 2022. And as we head into 2023, for sure. Any other final thoughts? Totally love that. Love that. Kate, give us the, give us the optimism in this uh, full moon. You did it. (laughs) That's my, that's my, that's my moon Jupiter conjunction. 
serving up a little bit of silver lining. Love it. Wonderful. So shall we move on to the third week of September or week um, 12 from the 12th to the 11th? So the 12th to 11th, um, honestly, we're kind of in the thick of Mercury retrograde during this time period. And there's not hugely major astrology happening um, this week from the 12th to the 18th. I think that the 12th to the 18th this week is almost, um, it's fleeting astrology that is also nice to work with. Um, it, it is helpful in certain ways. The beginning of the week from the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th is honestly, it's a little, it's not as eventful. It's very chill. The moon will be disseminating. So it might be a really wonderful week for just general release, um, for winding down of something or just for chilling in general, I suppose. And then the weekend, the 16th, 17th and 18th, um, we get a little more action on that Friday, September 16th, Venus will be square Mars. The sun will be opposite Neptune and Venus will be trying the North node. Now, any time the sun is opposite Neptune, which is happening, um, which all, I mean, happens about once a once a year annually, it is always a time to take off work, to take off doing anything. So as your astrologer to everybody listening to this, Kate says, go on vacay, go on staycay, maybe even take off work, take a personal day, take a half day, take a sick day. I don't know. But that 16th, get out of Dodge, maybe even the 15th, like take a load off, relax and go with the fucking flow that weekend. This weekend astrologically is a time for chilling and relaxing and almost allowing yourself to be in this like limbo creative space. It, this is the moment when to do less is doing more and you actually gain more just by doing less this weekend. And this is such an important time where there is so much inspiration to become from, to come from downtime. There's just, there's so much, um, I don't know. There's just so much to be had from the radical act of just relaxing. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on this weekend? Or even the energy of 16th, 17th, 18th in general this weekend. Yeah, I think that, um, I think you're spot on, Kate. I think that um, Virgo season often brings up the sort of uh, advice of like, be productive, be productive, like get your shit done, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense it does and it doesn't because I can see how in like the sort of 
natural progression of the seasons virgo season is when we're like prepping to harvest the crops if that makes sense so we're like okay this is um this is all that has grown now it's like the last harvest we have to bring it together because now libra season and scorpio season is when we start like putting everything into cans and making sure we have enough food for the winter so i see why like in virgo season there are things that do need to be done in order for us to survive the winter but at the same time, I think you're right. We need to remind ourselves that during Virgo season, we need those moments of rest, relaxation. I would say the um, there's a, during that that third week, there's that moon in Taurus transit that will square Saturn and conjunct Uranus. And then we have that moon in Gemini transit next, starting on the 15th, 16th that will conjunct Mars and Gemini. So it's kind of like a little bit of a rough moon week too. So I wonder if that's also something like moon's going through some stuff this week. So our emotions are kind of uh, a little up and down. And um, maybe then with the sun opposing Neptune this week, we really do need to take a rest, take a load off. Um, kind of reminds me of the hanged man in the tarot. Like it's time to just, and they actually, the hanged man in the tarot is Neptune. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I think. I love that. All of the tarot astrology synchronicity is also when you were saying that it just reminded me like, and just another piece of advice for that weekend is to manage your expectations. You're right. Like Virgo season is the planner. It's got this huge to-do list. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all need a good to-do list, but just manage your expectations around that weekend because there is just this sense of, I don't know if I can adhere to the plan type of energy that comes through that weekend To So just manage your expectations and be kind to yourself. If you, if we can't get everything checked off on that to-do list. Also, you're right. It is a rough moon week that week and, um, that weekend moon, the moon is going to be conjunct Mars too. So it feels sensitizing. It feels oppressive. It's, it's not, it's, so it's just a good time. Yeah. To find joy where you can. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, you know, you could see that sun opposite Neptune is like leaning into some creative inspiration, or you could see it as, you know, Neptune and Pisces is this, this like expanse of like, akasha almost it's like anything is possible and so when you lean into anything as possible energy it's doesn't understand time as we experience it as human beings and so that's why we can like neptune i don't want to say delusional but i can't think of a better word right now be like oh yeah i'll do that oh yeah i'll do that and then like you think that time it expands like this which it does on the spiritual level but and also like we do just have a clock <laughs> We can't do all of the things. Um, I know I personally was invited to do, I can't even count how many things that weekend, like seven different engagements that weekend. And the, the, the invitation started in May, I think, in April. 
um, for that one weekend. And it was just bizarre to me how I was like, oh, and it was like, fly here, fly there. And I'm not a person that gets like invitations to fly random places, but it was like, be in New York, be in Georgia, be in Greece, be in, um, be online, be on this conference, be on that thing. And it was like, could I possibly say yes to everything? And what should I do? And I think that those who don't say no, who don't say, I'm just going to chill and like resist this urge to go outward, um, not to jump the gun, but like the next day, I think it's, we've got that Mars sextile Chiron and then that moon activation that you're talking about. It's going to be like, if you overexert yourself, you're going to be forced to take action to heal yourself. But if you preempt it, if you Mars kind of jump the gun, like I'm doing right now, because Mars is sort of that energy that's like, let's go faster than we need to sometimes to take it to be a healing opportunity. Then once that Mars sextile Chiron becomes exact, you get like a good healing instead of like a healing crisis because I am so burned out uh, instead of, yeah, just chilling. Oh, so well said. What engaged, did you agree to any of the engagements is my question. And how many did you? Okay. So I finally settled on one. Um, Cool. It, yeah, it's a, it's a wedding. (laughs) That's, That's nice. It's a wedding. It's a, it's my family wedding. I'm really excited for, for my cousin to get married. And so I'll be going to the wedding and there was like an online thing. And I was like, I could say yes to this online thing, but then I was like, why would I do that? I just want to chill and like put on my makeup and get my dress ready and like be with my family and not be worried about being on zoom, like a couple hours before the wedding happens. Oh, that's so funny. My cousin's getting married the week before that. Well, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that, um, you know, with with Venus and going into Libra and that Venus star point. And then, you know, we'll talk about that Mercury Kazemi, but that Libra energy is, um, I know we're not there yet, but. It is happening. Shall yeah. we move there? Um, yeah. I think we've got, I think we, that's, I think we've said enough for that weekend. You know, less is more for that weekend. Everybody just chill out and take it easy and less is more, you know, manage those expectations that first week or that, that weekend from the 16th, 17th and 18th. So let's dive into week four or September 19th through the 25th. So here we have, now we're kind of at the very end of the month. We're heading towards the very end of September. Um, this weekend or this week, we have a quick v- couple, a quick Venus trying to Uranus on Tuesday. Then we have Libra season and the fall equinox happen happening towards the end of the month. And then we also have Mercury um, moving back from Libra into Virgo at the same time, Mercury will be conjunct to the sun at zero degrees Libra, which is another very interesting feature of the Mercury retrogrades in 2022. Mercury will move backwards from an air sign to an earth sign, but right at the halfway point of the retrograde cycle, which is very important, which we call a Kazemi. Um, that's when we get more clarity. There's like a burning off moment of what's no longer useful. And for all of those, they happen at zero degrees of the air sign, which I think is very interesting, which we'll talk about. And then we have over the weekend on Saturday, we have Venus opposing Neptune. And then the week ends with a Libra new moon on that Sunday, the 25th. 
So let's start unpacking. I mean, I suppose let's start unpacking with the Libra, perhaps Libra season, you know, autumn is here. The fall equinox is here. Um, anything to say about Libra season, the equinox, um, about, I mean, what we can kind of expect for this fall and now that fall is here thoughts it's Mabon or Mabon, correct? My witchy friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um. so there's the, it's the heart. It's the last pagan holiday before Samhain, which is Halloween and the witch's new year. So we have that coming in on Libra during Libra season. Something that strikes me overall about this Libra season is that um, it's going to be opposite Jupiter. So we already talked a little bit about Mercury opposite Jupiter, but now the Mercury, the Mercury Kazemi and the sun in general is going to be opposite Jupiter. And we only have that for a little while because Jupiter will soon be scooting back into Pisces come October. But that kind of makes me think like, oh, this this Libra season has an interesting flair. Like, because last year during Libra season, we were, was it Jupiter in Pisces? Or um, I could check really quick, but I'm almost certain Jupiter was, oh no, Jupiter was in Aquarius. Jupiter was in Aquarius, yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we didn't get to have, uh, we haven't had a, a, a Libra season opposite Jupiter in a while. So that makes me feel like, hmm, what, what's that like? What's going to happen there? It's very interesting too, because Jupiter is going to be retrograde. So I, um, I wonder if it's going to, I, I don't know. I, I wonder that too. And what that intensity will, will kind of bring into our experience. I think that if it might set us up for a lot of themes for the spring equinox in 2023, um, when Jupiter and the sun will be in Aries. Um, but I think that this Libra season is, or this Libra season and the fall of 2022 is just, it's so wild. It's just so fucking wild. Like the Mars retrograde of it all, retrograde of it all, the eclipse seasons of it all. I think that, I mean, this Libra season is going to really set us up for a very intense eclipse season. So, and intense is not always a bad thing, you know, but I think this Libra season is, I, I love Libra season. And again, I know that it, that the sun is technically in fall in Libra, but I do love a Libra season. Um, and just the, the freshness that we get in the air, the, um, the it's cuffing season, you know, it, I think that there is an element of risk of coming together of coming into communion with another in order to, you know, weather out the storm of the, of the winter time that I think will be important, um, for the rest of the year. But I don't know. I think I am this Libra season is a great time to prepare and get our ducks in the row because from now, honestly, like this weekend until the beginning of 
or until about halfway through October. So I would say from the, this first part of pretty much Lib- actually pretty much Libra season is a blip of nicest of like good electional astrology, I would say before a ton of not good electional astrology. And that's not to say that there's something bad that's going to happen. It's just not dates that you would intentionally elect to start something or to initiate something. I would say that this Libra season is like, get it in now, like get your, if you've got major shit to do major things to launch do it now during this Libra season because Scorpio season is a big red X around electional astrology and wanting to kind of start and initiate. That's not to say anything terrible will happen. It's just saying that it's not an ideal time to start things. Um, So I think that's the main takeaway that I would say about this Libra season is that it's a very, it's a great blip for the beginning of October late September to go and to start and to initiate. And that might be where the Jupiter and Aries really comes in handy. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm just looking at the ingress chart for the sun moving into Libra and seeing, you know, shortly after, you know, I guess that day, the next day, that's the Mercury Kazemi, Mercury retrograde Kazemi, the sun. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's within orb of an ex- of an opposition to Jupiter. And so we're going to have that energy. But what really is Sun and Libra? It's the autumnal equinox, as we've said. It's um, It really is halfway through the year, even though we count it as the ninth month on our calendar, as far as like the, you know, astrological or like calendar of the sun in the sky goes it's halfway through it means it's a balance that's why we've got that balance with libra the day and the night are exactly equal everywhere and so i think there's something to be said just about a conversation about equity when you've got a mercury kazemi in libra and it's at zero degrees and then knowing that libra season ends with the venus star point which is a venus kazemi to leave to the sun uh, at the, at the anoretic 29th, the very last degree of Libra, it's pretty cool to see we're having a Kazemi at zero and we're having a Kazemi at 29. And that Kazemi hasn't happened since 1879, I think, uh, it's been in Scorpio. And so it's almost like we have this beautiful kiss before we move into that difficult Scorpio season. And it's like a flash of moment, a flash in the pan moment in time but really just think about what needs rebalancing, um, what feels good, what feels beautiful, what feels easy, what do we need to keep, what do we need to like let go of uh, for greater ease. And we are going to be feeling called to go inward. So you saying, put your stuff out now. I think that makes a lot of sense because in the Northern Hemisphere, this is a time of lessening the light in the daytime. And so we're going to be like, just breathe take it easy. Absolutely. And what do we think about? So after the day after Libra season on the 23rd, so that weekend of the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, that Friday is a pretty big moment for the month of September. Mercury will hit its halfway point in the retrograde cycle, come together with the sun and then move backwards from the sign of Libra back into the sign of Virgo. Now, this is some pretty transitional energy. And 
I think it's going to be a very important date. Um, number one, I mean, the halfway point of any retrograde cycle brings a lot of clarity, but I think that there's also a tone change of maybe getting more serious. And this is maybe even diving in more and making those small tweaks in the details. How are you guys reading into this energy of specifically of that Mercury Kazemi at zero degrees Libra? What are your thoughts and feelings of what energy this might bring and how to work with it? Again, I think it's, it really is. It's so much about that balance. It's like, cause we're talking, we're talking half, half sun, half night, you know, half daylight, half night. We're talking halfway through the Mercury cycle. We're talking just Libra. It's like, you know, we're halfway through. So there's just something there of like light at the end of the tunnel, maybe Mercury is about to pass the sun and then go back into Virgo, maybe a little sigh of relief for that, even though it's like moving backwards, Mercury is going to feel a lot better uh, within a couple hours once it gets back into Virgo and can do its, do its thing. But it is really that energy of like, I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to like be nice about this thing I really want to help you with. Yeah, and a, a Kazemi by definition is like a protection of the planet. Um, it's like, it's this idea that the planet at the exact same degree of the sun is almost like sitting on the sun's throne and, you know, sitting on the king's throne. And, you know, for for a day or so, you know, Mercury is, is really uh, at, I don't want to say at like a, yeah, I guess at a high frequency. So it's kind of nice to take note of the Mercury Kazemi within a Mercury retrograde because it's like, okay, this day, like it like it might not have as many Mercury retrograde symptoms or or there's just something about this halfway point that is important to acknowledge. Absolutely. And one thing that I've kind of been mulling over about this mercury retrograde, you know, is the, the process of coming back into balance is very important for any type of retrograde in happening in Libra. It's like, how do we find harmony? How do we find harmony in ourselves? How do we find harmony in our relationships? How do we return to balance in life when we're out of tune? Like when you're paying an instrument and it sounds like shit, how do you retune that? so that when you strum it, it's beautiful again. That's the process of this Mercury retrograde. And we're understanding where we're out of tune until the 23rd. 23rd hits, we know what we have to do. We get back in there, we do the little tweaks, we play it again, we make it right, we make it sound real nice, we just bring it back into harmony and into wholeness. This 23rd, you know, Mercury's retrograde, but it's back in its domicile still. So it's able to give us a little more favors, give us a little more juice, give us a little bit more of the productive energy that we need in order to kind of find our balance again, and maybe even like be able to be a little more productive this weekend than we were the weekend prior for sure. Actually, maybe not because Venus is opposite Neptune. So we still definitely need to manage expectations this weekend. I say that and then I I well, retract I my statement of feeling productive. Maybe you might feel a little productive on Friday, but like 
<laughs> but music Saturday is totally night. it. I think that that's right. I mean, Venus opposite Neptune with that Mercury yeah. the way that you described it. I think that music makes a lot of sense and yeah, maybe totally. it, it won't make sense, but like, that's why you just have to feel into it and play some music. Yeah, absolutely. Play so music Louis Armstrong, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, play some Louis Armstrong for sure. And yeah. then, so that Sunday we get another, we get our new moon for the month of September we get the a new moon happening at two degrees Libra on September 25th at 5 55 PM Eastern standard time. So it's just adjust for your time zone. And this new moon is going to happen at again, two degrees Libra. It's going to be pretty much exactly op- opposite Jupiter at three degrees Aries. What are your thoughts about this new moon? How are we feeling about it? What energy are we getting from this full moon? What do you guys, or from this new moon? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's significant. Um, during a new moon, sometimes the, um, the next aspect the moon makes after the new moon perfection is important and it could lead to some sort of I don't know, predictive juice about what this whole moon cycle will be like. So I do think it's kind of cool that after the new moon perfects, the next aspect is the moon's opposition to Jupiter. And that makes me think that there's something fertile about this uh, new moon cycle, which could be going from going back to everything we've talked about this podcast, like September being a time to pull back, check in with the details. Uh, Maybe there's a little bit of a limbo kind of rest meditation thing going on this month. I think this new moon is, is giving us an idea of how to move forward and how to overcome the obstacles that are in front of us, because sometimes an opposition is a little bit of a, of a obstacle that we see ahead, but the obstacle is Jupiter, you know, so it's not going to be the worst of all obstacles. It's a little bit more like, um, like a philosophical obstacle. Like how do I believe in myself or how do I believe in my truth more, or how do I just, believe in my vision that that's what this feels like yeah with both uh you know this new moon really goes back to that mercury again because the moon the new moon in libra answers to venus which is still in virgo and venus answers to mercury that's retrograde and um I'm losing my train of thought on this, <laughs> um, but it's really, I guess, because there, it's retrograde and then the moon is coming to highlight uh, that Jupiter, which is also retrograde. I think it's just rethinking our relationships, like reconsidering, revising all of the rewords that come with retrograde Um to be able to start new. So maybe some of those conversations we talked about having at the full moon in Virgo, like this is the time for, for um, I don't want to say t- like actually doing that fresh start and like starting something new because we've got these retrograde planets, but like 
And we've got this Mars retrograde that's going to be happening too. So it might end up feeling like a false start. Like you try to start something new on this new moon and it just, um, you're going to have to come back to it, but like, why not? Why not try something new? Uh, and just see how it goes and be kind of experimental to like, because you have to try something and then the balance comes of like, oh, that didn't work. Let me like get some feedback and like try to balance it out so that it does work. Absolutely. I was thinking too, of like, if we're considering, or as I have been reiterating throughout this forecast, the terms of the revision of the terms of a deal now it feels as though those terms come to fruition or come to light in a more tangible way we under we may have a more thorough understanding of what's needed or what is seated or something will be or something feels like it is being seated of the new terms that have been brewing, have been churning and have been going through the ringer the entire, the entire month almost. It feels like also the Jupiterian, both the full moon and the new moon this month are, are Jupiterian in nature. So there is this element of a silver lining or of a faded connection, or I'm even thinking uh, perhaps a kismet connection, a kismet partnership, a kismet bond that's really being formed or being reworked. And it feels like on this new moon, it's a wonderful time, perhaps not to sign on the dotted line for the new terms of the agreement or for this new deal or for this new partnership that's coming through or these new terms of a new partnership, however that feels for you. This is not perhaps the, it's not a terrible moment, honestly, to, to sign on the dotted line. There might be a better one in October, but this is a wonderful point of initiation for a new moment, for a new starting point in time. It's really how I see this, um, this new moon. I, I kind of like it. I think that it's certainly a lot kinder than the last new moon we had in Virgo for sure. So this, this hopefully will at its best will be like a nice, lovely, uh, refreshing palette cleanser. I do like both of the moons in September way more than I liked the moons in August for sure. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Are we ready to dive into the final days of September? Yeah, let's go for it. Excellent. So the last week from the 26th to the 30th, um, on that Monday, Mercury will be conjunct Venus. The sun will be opposite Jupiter. Exactly. Venus will be trying Pluto. Um, and then for the rest of the week, we kind of have some nice trines. Mercury will be trying Pluto on Tuesday, Wednesday, Mars will be trying Saturn and Venus will move into Libra on Thursday, the 29th. So I kind of love this last week of September as we head into October like this is a wonderful week this is a wonderful final couple of days um 
what are your, any thoughts? Does anybody have any opening thoughts or like want to start us off um, with anything that calls about this week? Honestly, we I mean, we can start at the Monday, but truly I think any of this astrology, um, if you want to talk about anything specific or synthesize it, be my guest. Does anybody want to start us off? Honestly, like my synthesis of it is like, I was almost going to say rip the bandaid, but that implies some sort of pain. It's like, you don't even have to rip the bandaid. Like it just comes off so easily. And like all of those, like the feeling that you needed to rip off a bandaid is like suddenly dissolved. And like, you're just like, oh, like, let's hang out. Like, let's talk. Let's, let's do the thing. Like, and cause you're feeling kind of restless, like that Jupiter opposite the sun is a little bit restless. And then when Mercury and Venus come together, it's like, Hey, I really enjoy talking to you. And I, and I'm, I'm forgetting about that, that energy from August or from before. Let's just, let's go. It's really sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this week. Um, a lot, a yeah. lot. Mal, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I especially like the the Mars trying to Saturn. It feels like it's kind of Mars's last hurrah before um before Mars gets into the later degrees of Gemini and starts to really slow down and station retrograde over the month of October. So I love a Mars Saturn trine for um, overcoming obstacles, uh, moving forward in a meaningful way, um, or just committing, committing to something. Now, if we do commit to something brand new, I mean, it's fairly certain we'll have to revise it. And a few a few minutes ago, Taylor, you used the phrase false start for the new moon. So I think it's just uh, I think it's important to realize that this week there are some trines, but it's a little bit like the rookie on the football team wins the first game, but now has to continue to prove himself and probably will go through some trials and tribulations with, you know, being the rookie and you know, making that winning pass. My mind is going to football for some reason. Maybe it's because it is fall. Um, I am not a big football fan, but I will say, Taylor, when you said um, when you said false start, I received like an image of a football player making like the perfect pass. Um, but then his foot was out of line. So the pass didn't count. And for some reason that that felt pretty on point for like the new moon and what follows, like there's some level of mastery and maybe perfection that is happening, but then it's like out of bounds, you know? Um, so that's what I was kind of just kind of picking up on intuitively. Yeah. I think if you guys want to watch Friday night lights, like go rewatch the series. I did that a couple months ago. It was so fun. And that's so Mars and Gemini. Cause like, Mars is the athlete, Gemini is running. And it's like these, you know, football is very small, right? It's like, it's like pass and then stop. That's like a very small, like Gemini kind of thing. And then, um, and, but anyway, that Friday night lights thing, it's, it makes sense. And then Aquarius where Saturn is, is a community. So it's like the athlete in the big stadium, Aquarius. Um, and in that story of Friday night lights, that's what it was. There was like this, this, quarterback who was great 
And then he um, got into an accident and um, couldn't run anymore. And the young freshman has to come in and really prove himself and say like, hey, I've got to like, I'm an athlete. I'm young Gemini, Mars and Gemini, but I'm going to Saturn put in really, really hard work to prove to my community that I can, I can, I can carry the weight and I can get us to the championships. So I love that. That's what you got. Cause like that totally makes sense. Absolutely. And it also just a dovetail off of what you guys are saying. It's so appropriate because we're in Mars's shadow, like, cause of the Mars shadow of it all, you know, it's like, this will be, a, this is a process. This is a great time to get the process started. But also I think Jupiter and Aries is so beginner's luck, which is exactly what you're just saying about this is the, this is a great time for beginner's luck, but please be conscious of the beginners in front of that. Um, this is an example of potential. This isn't the consistent reality, but I do think that this last week of September and honestly, the very beginning of October is the end of September, the beginning of October, particularly Libra season and the Libra new moon, moon, moon cycle, like the Libra new moon to the Aries full moon again, like it's nice. This is a nice astrology to be living under and to be working with, um, with the consciousness of where we need to revise, where we need to edit, where we need to come back into more harmony in our lives, uh, from the beginning of September. Like I think this last week of September also speaks to perhaps, um, utilization and application of all of the reflections that have been happening potentially, um, for like the prior month, um, or from, or since happening since the beginning of September, really it's good stuff. Yeah. I get, I get towards the end of the week, the Mars trine Saturn lovely and clarifying moment right there. Um, and then we get the Venus in Libra, which I, which I feel like will really bring in a major tone change for the beginning of September or for the beginning of October. It's almost as though the Venus in Virgo has been such a signature energy throughout entire September, which we've really discussed. And the Venus in Libra right here in this like final day of September will set us up for a moment of harmonization and of things coming through, like things gravitating towards us, things moving a little bit in the beginning of October and then come the end of October. It's like, <laughs> which is totally cross that bridge when we come to it next month. I mean, the beginning of October is a lovely window and take advantage of that and use September as the time to prepare self-reflect and come back into harmony within yourself is what I think major, major theme is for the entire month. Beautiful way to wrap us up, Kate. Just wrapping it up in a little bowski for us right there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate both of you. This has been a lovely little Norwalk reunion that I deeply enjoy. So before we break though, um, tell everybody about your shameless plugs, what you've got going on. What's in store for Taylor sure. and Mal? Yeah, I do one-on-one -on -one consultations. So you can book a consultation with me. I do uh, natal, forecast, locational, and horary. 
you can book with me at taylorshuler.com and I will be speaking at the Tucson Astrologers Guild on September 9th. If you're in Tucson, come in person. If not, no worries, you can zoom in. Uh, and if you register and you're not there live, I think you can get a recording if you remember. So uh, yeah, just check out Tucson Astrologers Guild. We'll be talking about permaculture and as it applies to astrology, as well as the uh, Jupiter transit through Aquarius, Pisces, and Aries as we move forward into uh, Jupiter going back into Pisces in October. So that's what I got going on. Love that. Thank you, Taylor. And everything will be linked in the show notes too, y'all. What about you, Mal? What's what's on the horizon? I think your listeners know me by now. They know my spiel, so I'll just let them go in the show notes if they want to go to my website or whatnot. But I will say I recently launched a self-paced course called uh, Tarot for Inner Child Healing. And it's, yeah, it's entirely self-paced. It only takes a couple hours to get through, but it's really profound, especially if you are in a place in your life where you are doing some inner child healing and wanting a different perspective on how to use the tarot to do this sort of self-processing. Uh, so I've gotten some good reviews back. Uh, so I believe the course is... Um, is can be really perspective shifting so check that out on my site i love that mal's the go-to for all tarot needs all the tarot needs come from mal thank you and thanks again to both of you and thank you again to all the listeners listening into this one you know where i am girlinthegalaxy.com if you need anything from me folks and we'll see you all here in October. Bye. Bye.